Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for all the things that you've done for us. Thank you for your love that shed abroad in our hearts. We ask you for utterance tonight, Father, and grace and love to come forth, Father, like you've not shown before. We ask you for your wisdom and your guidance in each and every word that we say. Give us utterance. And, Father, give the people hearts to hear the truth of what's being said, that they could see the light at the end of the tunnel, that they could see deliverance in these areas, Father, that they could see hope where they had no hope, Father, that they could see love where they had none in that area, Father. I just thank you that your love is working in their hearts to bring these things to pass and help them like they've never been helped before. In Jesus' name, thank you for it. For those of you who don't know what Keith started on last week, the Lord dealt with him a while back. It's probably been, how long did he tell us about weight? How long ago was that? About eight months ago? Six or eight months ago, you know. So, um... Anyway, the title of his sermon last week was How to Reach Your Physical Goals. And um, it's a pretty touchy subject. It's a pretty um, hard subject for some people to receive. It's a pretty... um, Well, let me put it this way. In all the years since Keith and I have been married, if you were to ask me the number one thing that has been a greater struggle in my life, a greater battle in my life than anything, anything. I mean anything. Money, as bad as our finances were. Uh, marriage, as bad as our marriage was our first five, ten years. Um, anything. It would have to be this area. There's not another area that I could tell you. I probably, like most of you in this room, have lost 500 pounds over a period of years. And I'm not exaggerating. I am serious about it. You know, I've probably lost that over a period of years. And uh, it's a subject that is so near and dear to my heart because I know for my own self that I probably have cried more about this. I probably have spent endless toiling hours praying about this. I've probably done everything diet that you can think of. I've done Atkins. I've done Diet Center. I've done Slim Fast. I've done, um, let's see what else I've done. Um, Sugar busters, I've done running, I've done aerobics, I've done weight training, I've done starvation, I've done, you name it, I've probably done it. You know, grapefruit diets, Hollywood diets, lose 15 pounds in 10 days diets, you know, anything you can think of, diet, I've done it. But the thing about it is, that area is one area of controlling your physical life, but There's other areas that go just right in line with the exact same principles that we're going to talk about tonight. If you are, like Key said, if you feel like you are in perfect shape and that you look great and that that you don't need to lose a pound and that you're perfect and that your life is perfect in every area, then uh, come on down here and preach for me tonight. Because I don't. You know, but I do believe that there's principles in these subjects that apply to temper. It applies to alcohol. It applies to smoking. It applies to drugs. It applies to uh, abusing your wife. It applies to abusing your kids. I mean, it can apply to every area of your life. The very same things that would apply to you losing weight. So if you're perfect and, and uh, there are a few people in here that definitely don't need to lose any weight, they probably should gain some weight. And so um, there's ways in the same thing with this that you can do it both ways. So that's one reason why Keith says, well, Phyllis, you're unique in this because you've been there. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but um, I think Keith and I had more arguments about my weight than we did anything. And not because he was upset with me because I was fat, but because he was upset with me because of how it made me act. If I could share anything with you from the bottom of my heart tonight, it would be, do not be condemned. Do not let any word that's being said in here condemn you in any way. Because take my word for it, that is not what I'm out here for here tonight. Because if anybody knows the struggles and the pains and the heartaches and the hurts that a person can go through that, you know, I ballooned up to about 200 pounds, 190 something pounds. That's really big for me. For me, you know, you can be 300 pounds and be happy with yourself. 
But for me, I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to go shopping. I didn't. Want, I had the same clothes for probably 10 years because I refused to go up to a bigger size. And I wouldn't even go shopping. So I know the heart of somebody that has struggled with things like this. So exactly the same thing with this. Apply it to, say, you smoke. Well, you can't go there because you might have to light up a cigarette. You can't go four hours without smoking. So it incapacitates you. And you've got to battle with it. And you want to be done with it. Same thing. Your wife or spouse or husband might not be upset with you because you smoke. They might be upset with you because of how it incapacitates you from being able to do the things that they want to do. Temper. Same thing. You may have a horrid temper. And you may just blow it when you get it in front of people, you know, and it just may eat you alive because you can't go and be in front of people because somebody might do something that upsets you and you may lose your cool. So there's so many different areas that this could apply to in your life. It's not just about weight, but it is about the incapacitating of things controlling you more than you're controlling you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not how small you are. I heard this on a Curbs commercial, I think, last week. You know, it's Christmas. It's after Christmas. Every weight loss center in the world is doing commercials now. And every smoke-free patch in the world is doing commercials now because everybody made their New Year's resolutions and they're going to lose weight and they're going to quit smoking and they're going to do all these wonderful things for themselves. So, But I heard this and I thought, that is so true. That just explains exactly the way I felt for so long. It's not how big you are. Not how fat you are, but it's how tall you are. By that I mean, it's how tall you can carry yourself when you walk in a room. And how much confidence you have that you can put your shoulders back and walk in a room. Doesn't matter how big you are, it's how much confidence you have and how tall you can be when you walk into a situation. So tonight, if you don't want to lose a pound, great, wonderful. If you and your husband are happy with it, like Keith said, there's only three people that you have to please. Your spouse, God, and then yourself. And, you know, you you should do that on a regular basis. So know my heart tonight. If I could tell you and pour my heart into you and give you what I've got to help you get through this without having to say anything about it, I would do it in an instant. Because there's nothing more torturing than not being able to be where you want to be. You know, and it's not what your spouse wants so much as you're the one miserable. So I know when I was growing up, I was skinny as a rail. I mean, I was about this big around. Um, My daddy used to call me rubber gut. He did. Never heard that. I had never heard it either or since then. But he used to call me rubber gut because I could eat all the time. But I got thinking about that. The reason I could eat all the time was because I never stopped. I mean, when I was a little girl, I was either on my bicycle or on my pogo stick. I remember it vividly. I had a pogo stick, and I would hop that thing clear around the block from my bedroom to my friend's houses, everywhere. I was up and down on that thing, man. Anywhere I wanted to go, I was on that pogo stick. Well, years passed. The next thing would find me, I'd be out in the, in the field bush hogging for my daddy. Skip lunch, you know. You're, you're working. You're hot. You know, come in at nighttime. Food wasn't a big issue to you. Or I'd be out on the creek bank pulling in catfish lines for my daddy and skinning the fish and cooking the fish and and doing all those things staying busy never ever ever stopping well Keith and I got married and uh, I didn't stop right away but then we went to Bible school what is Christian's favorite pastime Christians immediately after church tonight be honest now this is the most important thing is being honest how many of you will probably go out and eat together to fellowship yes I mean, most people will go out and eat or, you know, Sunday after church, everybody grabs people, they go fellowship, they go eat. Well, we went to Bible school and we were in church 24-7. So that meant you were eating 24-7. And we started traveling with Brother Hagin and we were with the prophet of God and we were with the man of the hour that would draw in huge crowds and huge people. And so the pastors treat them like royalty. So they would close down restaurants. They would have the six or eight of us in this restaurant serve up the best food you could ever think of. Your mouth would water for days thinking about what you had the day before, you know. And what are you going to do? These people have closed their restaurants down. They serve you up with a platter of food, the best food that you could ever think of. So what happens when you go to a service, you sit for about four hours, you go to lunch, you eat, you go to the hotel, you take a nap, you go 
eat a snack before you go back to church, you know, because it's been several hours since you've eaten. And then you go to a service, sit for another three or four hours, and then you do what? Eat again. Well, that is a different lifestyle than jumping on my pogo stick going clear around the block all the time. You know, or riding my bicycle everywhere I went. But it's like we get in this frame of mind and um, we believe that one has nothing to do with the other. You know, we convince ourselves that we're trying. Well, the thing about it was I was trying and probably had I not have been trying, I'd have weighed 600 pounds. Because it doesn't take much to run these bodies, to be honest with you. You know, it takes very little bits to run it, you know. And what happens is, with today's society, the portions are like three times what they're supposed to be in every restaurant that you go in. And if you eat everything that's on your plate, number one, you've eat three times more than what you should have eaten to begin with. And that's before the appetizer and the dessert. So, you know, you got to start being realistic about some things. So that's what I had to finally do with some things. And the first point that I have tonight, so that if you're taking notes and you really want to care about whether you get, you know, your temper under control or your smoking under control or, you know, your body under control or are you looking at porn under control or, or, you know, you having affairs under control or you want to lose weight under control, this is the very first most important thing that you have to do. And it's not your husband look at you and say, Phil, you, you know, you really need to get a handle on this because that makes you defiant. It makes you bitter. It makes you defiant. You will fight like cats and dogs. Ask me how I know. Now, I don't have to tell you guys these things, but I want to help you. I mean, it's very important if you're suffering in some of these areas that you get help because I want you, we are going to be the very best of who we can be. The very best, because God won't come back for all spotted up church or somebody that's condemned or somebody that's down on their self. He wants a spotless church. I mean, totally spotless. And if you're not in control of your flesh, then there's no way that you can be spotless because that is incapacitating to you. So you've got to be able to do whatever he asks you to do because you just don't know. You know what the Lord wants done. So be ready. Always be ready. And so the very first thing that you have to do is John 8.32. I mean, we don't even have to turn there. Everybody in here can probably quote it. You shall know the what? Truth. And the truth shall set you free. The very first thing is honesty. And I know from my own perspective, every single time that, I mean, Christmas banquets were coming up, it was like World War Three around our house. It was because I didn't want to go and I would blame everything else under the sun when it always came back down to being my weight was my inner underlying hidden issue. You know, I'd never tell him because he already felt like I already felt like he knew that, you know, and so but I didn't want to go. So it would always be an issue with us. And when he'd bring it up, he'd say, well, Phil, what's bothering you? And I'd say nothing. Y'all know y'all done that before and nothing is bothering me. Because I didn't want to get into the issue about my weight. Because I was so defeated about it. Like I told you, I had tried everything under the sun. So I would get so defensive. He had answers that the Lord had given him to help me. He had revelation that the Lord had given him. Because he'd spent endless hours praying about it. But I didn't want to hear it from him. I didn't want him telling me anything about it. This was me. He ought to like me just exactly the way I am. If he loved me, he'd like me the way I was. Right? Nobody ever said that but me. So just don't wait. Yeah, y'all don't raise your hand. You know, there's several of you honest enough to raise your hand. So, um, but um, I would say that, you know, I'd tell him, well, if you loved me, you'd love me just the way that I am. Well, I, I wasn't even thinking straight enough to realize it wasn't the weight that was bothering him. It was my attitude about the weight that was bothering him. You know, and so uh, the thing that in reality is, if I loved him, I would lose the weight. That's the reality. If you loved me, you'd love me the way I am. Well, God loves you, but not necessarily the way you are. He's constantly telling you things about yourself that you should change. Constantly telling you things about yourself. Okay, fix this. And if you he gave you a whole list when you first got saved, you'd flake out. I mean, you'd just go ballistic because there's no way under the sun you could receive from the Lord what he wants you to change when you when you first get saved it'd just be too much for you you couldn't handle it 
So he tells you things a little bit along. The more you grow, the more you learn. So the very first thing is being honest about it. Realizing I have a problem with this. How many have ever heard about AA? What's the very first thing that they do? They have to get up in front of people and they have to admit. Okay? My name is John Smith. I am an alcoholic. Correct? Very first thing they have to do. Why is that the very... They don't even realize the principle that they're setting there immediately. AA. I'm I'm sure that they do because they're Christian-based. But the thing about it is they may not realize the importance of what they're doing with that. Why is it important that the very first thing a person do is stand up and say, my name is John Smith and I'm an alcoholic? You have to admit it. You have to be honest and admit it. You have to quit pretending like it's not a problem, that it is a problem, whether it's temper or smoking or drugs or or anything else. Sex or porn or anything. You have to admit that you have a problem in that area. And I know that was one of my weakest points. I knew that I had a problem in that area, but I didn't want anybody else to know it. And most alcoholics know they have a problem in that area. And most people that have a temper know that they have a temper. Most people that do drugs know they have a problem. But they would never admit it. They would never let you know that they had a problem with it. So the very first thing is being honest about it. Recognizing that it does affect more than just your physical appearance. It affects your insides. It affects the person that you are. It affects who you are. So being honest with yourself. Admit there's a problem. Don't defend the problem when somebody tries to talk to you about it. When they try to talk to you about it, admit you have a problem. Like I said, Keith had a lot of answers that could help me, but I didn't want to hear them from him. And it wasn't until I grew spiritually that I was even open to hearing answers from him. So y'all know 1 John 1.8. Put it somewhere where you can see it if you're having a problem with this. Admit that there's a problem. Be honest about the problem. I'm going to throw this in, and I know it's a very touchy thing, but it's something that I want to plant a seed in, and you can put it on the shelf, you can throw it away, you can do with it what you want to. But 1 Corinthians 11.7 says something that I never wanted to look at. The last part is all I want you to really look at. For a man indeed ought not cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the last part. What does it say? Read it with me. The woman is the glory of the man. So it does matter. Why do you think, now men, don't get mad at me. But why do you think, please don't get mad at me. Because it's true. I mean, it's just almost embarrassing that some men, not you men, because Keith went over it with you last week and that a woman can bat their eyes at you and it doesn't faze you. You know, we went over that last week, right? So, but some men, it does not matter how dumb a person is, so long a woman is, so long as she looks good. You know, the dumb blonde scenario. He'll leave 12 wives that's put him through medical school, that's done everything under the sun and raised their kids for somebody, you know, uh, one of our board members, you know, he was so funny. He'd said when he got 40, he's going to get two twenties. So, um, and his wife said, you're not wired for two twenty. So, <laughs> but anyhow, um, they're pretty funny like that, but you understand what I'm saying. It is a deal. It's a deal that sometimes men, like, they get older and they want somebody younger that looks good because of this verse. There's more to it than just the funniness of it. Because the woman is the glory of the man. And whether you care about the way you look or you don't care about the way you look, we do have to come back to what the Word says. And um, if we don't come back to what the Word says, then we only are defeated all of our lives. Because if we only apply parts of the Word to our lives, then God can only bless us in parts. And you needn't think that, you know, you're broke and um, you're, you're sowing, but you're rebelling from God in every other area of your life, and He's going to be able to bless you. It doesn't work that way. You know, God wants you wholehearted, spirit, soul, and body. And um, when you sow yourself to God, that's the most important thing you can sow to Him. Money, 
is easier sometimes for rich people to give than it is their time or their selves or, or anything else. So he wants every part of you. The next step in this is um, after we know that the woman is the glory of the man is humbling yourself and asking for help. Now, some people have done that to an extent by going to Weight Watchers or going to diet centers or going to anger management classes or going to Smokeaholics Anonymous or whatever they call it, you know. And um, they've done it to an extent. But how many of you, you know, that say, for instance, smokers and um, they've got those patches and they've got that gum, you know, everything under the sun to help smokers quit pills and everything else. But, you know, if you don't want to quit, you can put 26 patches on your arms and you're still going to smoke. I mean, those patches do not stop you from smoking. They help you to stop smoking. They will not keep that cigarette from going into your mouth. You got to want it. You got to make a conscious decision that I want this more than I want anything else. You've got to decide. And then when you do that, there are aids in most of the areas to help. Say you do have a severe temper. Say you constantly are are abusing your kids or abusing your wife. Or say you are an alcoholic. Or say you are addicted to porn. Or say you are um, anything. Not just weight. There are things that can help you. I mean... I know of people that have been alcoholics that are put in dependency centers and sneak out and get drunk because they don't want to quit. I know of drug addicts that um, they admit themselves into these places, but before the end of the week, when it all gets, you know, in the end of the day, they're hunting drugs. They're sneaking out, hunting drugs. No one can make you do anything that you don't want to do. And it has to be a conscious effort on your part that I want this more than I want that. That I want to be in control of my life. Uh, I have a little plaque that I used to have on my refrigerator before we moved here. I don't know what happened to it. Nothing tastes as good as being thin feels. You know, I used to look at that all the time. Nothing tastes as good as being thin feels. Because what happens to you is the same thing. Nothing can feel as good to you as you wanting to lose your temper with somebody and you controlling it and you walking away and knowing that you didn't just beat your wife. You know you have to feel better knowing that you were able to control yourself and walk away from that. Nothing feels better than you have been addicted to prescription drugs for 20 years and you get up one day and you say, no, I've had it with this. I don't have to do this anymore. And you throw that pill bottle away and you make a conscious effort that you're not going to do this anymore. Well, that all sounds fine and good. But when you're addicted to something, you're addicted to it. And it's all wonderful to just say, okay, I don't know how many times people have thrown packs of cigarettes away. I mean, there would have to be a record, a Guinness Book of Records for people throwing things away would have to be cigarettes, you know, because people probably throw them away packs at a time. Why are people not able to continue what they start with that stuff. How many of you in here made a New Year's resolution about losing weight? How many of you had not, have already lost it? Have already, Yeah. You've already strayed from your New Year's resolution. The biggest percentage of you. Why is that? Why is it that you say something and then, and then right away, this whatever it is that tempts you, everybody's different. Some people it's chocolate. Some people it's pastries. Some people it's potatoes. Some people it's, you know, prescription drugs or cigarettes. Or why is it that you're unable to do that? Because you're not strong enough on the inside. Just like what Keith was saying last week, the flesh is a terrible thing. You can't trust it any further than you can throw it. The spirit is very willing And it knows what's right. And it'll lead you in the right direction. But you still have to deal with that flesh. So you have to humble yourself and seek help. Well, like I said, I tried every diet under the sun. And where I was able to find help was the place I should have started. How many of you know where that place was? The Word. The Word. We should start there. It's like, you know, well, I guess we have to pray. Well, it's come to that, huh? It's that way sometimes, you know, well, nothing else will work. I guess we have to pray, you know. Well, we should have done that to start with instead of the last thing, you know. So um, turn to uh, James 4, 6. She's got it up there. James 4, 6 says, 
God gives grace. You need some of that grace? I needed some of that grace. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that was the very first area that I was missing it in. Keith tried to help me. Other people tried to help me. Look at my staff. Most all of them are about this big around, you know. And um, Karen, I think, could eat a chicken breast and a piece of broccoli every day for lunch for five years. Am I kidding, y'all? No. She could do it. You know, she's done it. I've watched her. And then go home and eat um, some kind of pasta with olive oil on it about this much. And she's done it forever. You know? Well, that's important to her. But the thing about it is, if it's not important to you, then you won't do it. Number one, you will not stick to it. And the worst part about you not sticking to it is, not that you didn't stick to it or that you didn't lose any weight, is the condemnation that comes with it. It's the guilt that comes with it. The very first thing that you have to do, that I have to, had to do, and I know other people have lost weight, and I know that there's a zillion, trillion, bazillion diets out there. And like I say, I may have tried every single one of them. But um, the very first thing that you have to do is get grace from God. Because if you have grace from God, your willpower is like supercharged. It's like you have, you can walk past a piece of your favorite food and you go, don't move me, if you have grace from God. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's when you didn't deserve it, he's poured it on you. And he said, here, have some of this. It's that thing that when you feel like, I have to take this prescription pill, that rises up on the inside of you and helps you to stand and turn away from it. It's that thing when you know you've beat your wife or your kids for the hundredth time and you just think you cannot help it. You are convinced you can't help it. It's that thing that will undergird you and stop you from doing it when you didn't have the willpower before to stop yourself. I don't know any other way to describe it, but a supercharging of your will is what grace is. But how do you get that grace? By admitting you have a problem with it. By humbling yourself and saying, God, you know me. I've tried everything under the sun. I've tried every diet. I've cried. I've prayed. I've done this. Me and my husband's fought. Me and my wife's fought if it's the other way around. And um, I couldn't do it on my own. I've got to have your help. Got to have your strength. And what will be there? Instantly, his grace and strength will be there instantly his hand will be there. If you're filled with the Spirit, so many people don't understand the importance of being filled with the Spirit. They think that the Holy Spirit is just something that we talk about and we speak in tongues so we can pray. But it's not. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit will talk to you. He'll tell you. And I'm getting ahead of myself on the next point. But let's, let's look at the next point. The next point is be led. 1 John 2.20. It says in 1 John 2.20, You have an unction from the Holy One, and you what? Know all things. You know all things. Why do you know all things? Because you have something inside you that knows all things. You're not that smart, but he is. And if you humble yourself and you receive that grace from God and you think, okay, my weakness is chocolates, you know, not mine because I don't even like chocolate, but you're saying this about yourself. You're saying, you know, my weakness is chocolates and somebody just baked the most wonderful chocolate cake you have ever seen, you know, and it's sitting there on your counter when you come home. You know, because that's just the way the devil works. Don't kid yourself, you know. I mean, he's going to supply the flesh. He will, if you make a commitment to the Lord, you can count on immediately the devil coming and he's going to say, you got to hurry up home. Something's there waiting there for you. And what is it? A chocolate cake. You see what I'm saying? That's just the way the devil works, you know. But if you get that grace and you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you, 
then immediately when that situation arises, you say what we were singing. No, the greater one's in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the things that Keith was saying. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in that cake and supplied that cake. And I tell you, I stood on that scripture and I said that scripture a zillion times. If you're being led and you have an unction, there are way more important things that you should have on your mind than food. And it didn't take long that when we started this church, I mean, the weight started coming off like I have never had the ease of it to come off in my life. I mean, ever. There's several reasons why. Number one. I admitted I had a problem with it. I finally came to grips. Okay, you have a problem with this, sister. I admitted it. I looked to the Lord to help me. Because your husband can't help you. Your friend can't help you. Everybody's diet can't help you. Counselors can't help you. They can help you to an extent. But you have to make the choice. It has to be an inward thing on the inside of you, looking to the inside of you to make that decision. And I looked to the Lord. And what I did in looking to the Lord was I didn't even realize, just like what that lady was saying about her hand was healed. It's like she believed her hand was healed then. But it was almost like I woke up one morning and it was just happening and I didn't even realize it. But what happened was I was being led continuously. Being led by being too busy to think about food. I was being led doing the things of God that I didn't have time, that my main focus wasn't on thinking about, do I have time for lunch? Do I have time for dinner? We some days might not even get lunch or dinner. Well, that's not good for you either. But being led about what you do and when you do it and how you do it. There's not a person in here that needs to lose weight or stop Losing their temper or stop smoking or stop doing prescription drugs or stop doing meth or any kind of street drug that doesn't know it. Every time, every time you go for that prescription drug or you go for that piece of chocolate, every time you go for it, what happens? You have a conversation in your head. This one piece won't matter. This one piece of chocolate won't matter. It won't matter if I eat a little bit more. This is just one time. I'll fix it tomorrow. Every time you have a conversation in your head. And what happens is, if you don't have that grace and that underlying support, that supercharged support, you will give in to the flesh talking instead of the spirit talking. The stronger you get spiritually, the stronger that your inner man gets on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world that supplies that food or that drug or that anything else. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Now, how does he get greater? The stronger your flesh is, the weaker that voice is. Everybody that has been in here, how many of you have been reading your chapters every day? How many of you automatically already feel stronger than you did two years ago? Automatically you do. You already do. So what's happening is, continuously you're growing on the inside and you're hearing from God more and you're knowing more what to do it just comes to the choice then as to which one you're going to give into and if you are trusting God and you've gone to him and you said now God you know I've tried everything under the sun and I really want to go to that class reunion this year but I'm not going to go because i got to smoke, and I don't want them to know I smoke because I want to talk to them about the Lord. Or because I weigh 100 pounds more than what I want to weigh. Well, the thing that helps you to stop that from happening is you making that decision. And once you make that decision, is that supercharging of grace that reminds you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
Greater is he that's in you than he that wants you to eat that cake. And, you know, you can say what you want to, but diets aren't just about fat people anymore. Diets are about heart disease and high blood pressure and cholesterol. And diets are about heart attacks and diabetes. They're not just about because you, you weigh more than what you want to weigh. They're about the way that our lifestyle has become. They're about the way that whether we live or whether we die, whether we're a healthy, spotless church to present to the Lord, or whether we have to yield to our flesh so much that we have to have all that fried stuff and all that, you know, four gallons of ice cream and all these other things, you know. But what you have to do is the more that you get tuned in to the Word, just that chapter every day has made you strong enough already. doesn't take but how little is a mustard seed? It's pretty small, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty, pretty small. I mean, tiny. That much faith to move a mountain. I don't care how big your mountain of fat is. If it's just a little bitty mustard seed that can move a mountain, it can surely move your little bitty tiny mountain of fat. Right? I mean, and you've got that much faith just from reading your chapters every day. So what happens is the next time that a situation arises and you say, you know, got to have those chocolate chip cookies Kim just baked. Got to have them. Gotta have, I'm, I'm picking on Dave, and it is a weakness, and I know it, and I'm still picking on him. So, And he's going to write me a nice letter and tell me how much he loves me when it's over with. And, uh, But he is strong enough in his heart to make a conscious decision about what he wants to do. I know him well enough to know he is. But it's still a choice that he makes. I'd rather have the cookie right now. It's a choice that he makes. He has to override what he knows in his heart, what he has in his heart, to do it. But he still chooses to do it. So God will not make you stop eating that chocolate chip cookie. But he will undergird you and he will say, he'll tell you again, you take one bite, that's enough, don't eat any more. He'll lead you every bite that you take. Eat this, order this. You have an unction and you know all things. Well, you know you shouldn't eat that chocolate chip cookie, but man, it smells mighty good. You know, you know you shouldn't go for that second piece of pie. And you know you've got high cholesterol and you shouldn't be eating all that cheese. But you love cheese. What will happen every single time is the Holy Ghost will come up to you and he'll say, don't eat that cheese. Don't eat that cheese. And you'll have to completely take that thought into captivity and cast it out of your head and eat the cheese. Do just the opposite of what the word says. Casting down imaginations and strongholds that exalt their self against the knowledge of Christ. Bringing them into captivity. Well, what you do is you bring the the captivity of the thought that is the bad thing. And instead of doing the good thing. And if you ever start doing it. If you ever take, you know, three days and don't make a commitment longer than what you can do. Because if you've ever been overweight, if you've ever done something that you know you shouldn't do, smoke, drugs, alcohol, any of those things. What happens is you make a commitment and you don't keep it. So you're condemned forever. So it's like a vicious cycle in your mind. You make a commitment, you don't keep it. So you're condemned. So you think, what's the use? It goes on and on that way. And so I decided on this particular time, I wasn't making a bunch of commitments that I'm going to lose this amount of weight by this amount of time. Or I wasn't, I wasn't going to make a bunch of commitments that I was going to do a bunch of exercise and not going to eat these things. What I did commit to do is what I think will help you. Is I committed that every time that the Lord dealt with me something in my heart to do, I would do it. And you know that's very important that you do what the Lord tell you to do anyway. So every time that the Lord would check me and he'd say, don't eat that, I would not override him. Every time. I don't eat a bunch of sweets. I don't eat a bunch of junk. And I cannot tell you how much better physically I feel. It has nothing to do with losing weight. How much better physically I feel. Not because of a weight issue, but because of a conscious issue. A condemnation issue. A depression issue. 
I don't think that most people need depression drugs. I think the reason that most people take depression drugs is because they override what I'm just talking about. That every time that the Lord deals with them about doing something, they override that. And they still do what they want to do. And so they go away condemned 90% of the time. And so the devil is right there to make you depressed. What else is there to do if you override what the Lord is telling you? Well, the devil is going to be right there to fill you with something else. And it is called depression and condemnation. You know, I think it's real fun for someone that's never had a weight problem in their life to tell you how to lose weight and how easy it is. You know, that's real fun to hear people like that, to tell you they're about this big around, they've never had a weight problem in their entire life, and uh, you've got to lose 100 pounds, that, that they just ride you and tell just how easy it is. This is all you have to do and you'll lose it. Great. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. You know, sure. Let's see you do it. Let's see you quit, you know, smoking. Let's see you quit drinking. Same thing. You know, I'm telling you that I think one thing that will help and does help because there's nothing more important than listening to the Lord. And if the Lord says, don't eat that piece of cheese, you've got high cholesterol, don't eat the piece of cheese. If the Lord says, don't eat that chocolate chip cookie, then don't eat the chocolate chip cookie. You know, if the Lord says, and he will, yeah, go ahead and eat that cake and ice cream with them. He will. Then do it. Because what happens is people get their bodies so keltered out of whack, they go on these starvation things, been there, done that, go days without eating anything. It's no wonder to me that people become bulimic because of their consciences. It's a conscience issue. It's not a food issue. It's a conscience issue. And if you will just purpose in your heart, if you don't get anything else tonight, but to know that the greater one is in you and to be led you will have accomplished major feats in here tonight. Because every time you go to eat something and that voice comes to you and says, don't eat that chocolate chip cookie, and you go to grab for it anyway, you make your mouth open up and do its job and say, no, the greater one's in me. That grace arises, that supercharging arises, and you can walk away from it and you don't have to eat it. And you make it two or three days like that and you'll be real surprised at how easy it is to control those prescription pills or that smoking. Or that drinking. Or that porn. Or that fat. You know? That's fat. I still got some. Lots. But I've learned that if I'll be led in every situation that I do, just the other night, David called me after the service with something we was having to deal with. And uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm at Steak and Shake. Leave me alone. You know, we left last Friday night. Was I not at Steak and Shake? I was driving through Steak and Shake. I was craving a hamburger. And so I went and got it, you know. And I didn't feel guilty about it. I didn't feel condemned about it. I didn't feel, you know. But if I'd have got there and I'd have started thinking, you know, you really shouldn't eat that. You know what I'd have done? I wouldn't have eat it. But don't go through your whole life feeling condemned about your weight, about drugs, about smoking, about anything. Follow your heart. And every time you go to do something, stop yourself. And once you do it for a little while, you'll begin to get trained. You won't even have to stop yourself. It'll just be there. It'll be instant, 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 instant. But stop yourself and say, heart, is this okay? Get a clearance. Get a check. You know what a check is. You've been there. Same thing that told you not to eat that chocolate chip cookie. It's the same thing. So you do it. The very next thing that we've been covering with these things is number four. And um, it's First John um, 3.20. If our hearts condemn us, God's greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then what? We have confidence toward God. And that's the issue right there is you having confidence that you can do what you need to do and how you need to do it. And the only way that you can do that is by your heart not condemning you. And don't let the devil, so you missed it. First John 1 John 1.9 is always there if you eat that chocolate chip cookie. You repent and you say, I'll do better next time. Do that if you have to. Every time you do something, you take that prescription drug. You lose your temper. You um, take 
other kind of street drugs or you beat your wife or you, whatever the situation is or your wife beats you, you know, there is some of that that goes on, you know, or you beat your mother, whatever the case would be. Instantly open your mouth. I know for me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world has worked for me more than anything else. But that doesn't mean that's what will work for you. You may need to use, I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. Or greater is he that's in me, you know. Whichever one works for you. Find you a scripture. Ask the Lord to show you the thing that will help you to get past that. And immediately when that situation arises, open your mouth and say that. Don't just be silent. Open your mouth. And confess, greater is he that's in me. And you will, you'll, that supercharging will be there to help you to get past that situation. The very first thing that the whole thing revolves around that we've talked about tonight is condemnation. Because if you eat and you're condemned, then you throw up your hands and say, what difference does it make? If you beat your spouse, you're condemned, you throw up your hands and say, I just can't stop it. It's just the way I am. You know, you smoke. Well, I've tried to quit. Can't quit. I'll tell you a real funny story, and then we'll get ready to close, guys. Um, I know some people that were trying to quit smoking, and um, the wife quit. She she made a conscious effort to quit smoking, and she quit, and she told everybody, I'm quitting. Y'all help me. I'm quitting. Well, the husband, didn't. he didn't want anybody to know he was trying to quit because he was trying to quit and thought if he failed, nobody would know he tried. So he went, you know, for several days and didn't smoke, and and the the spouse realized that he hadn't smoked either. Well, that's the way it is sometimes with diets. You know, you don't want to tell anybody, well, I'm on a diet for in case that you fail. But that won't help you, really. The thing that will help you is getting all the support that you can muster. Getting that other person to say, you know, greater see that's in you than he that's in the world. And, And it quickens you, makes you sharp. But the thing that goes back to is being the defensive person. And taking it like you don't care about me because I'm bringing this up to you. Well, that's just the opposite. They care about you so much that they're bringing it up to you. And they're there to help you with it. But husbands, you have to be very, very, very careful with this. Wives, you have to be super careful with this. Because it is something that's almost inbred into people when they've got an area that they need to change in that they don't want nobody telling them about it. You know, even if they tell you they want you telling them about it, they don't want you telling them about it. You know, they want it to be their weakness. But if you can be strong enough to humble yourself, like what we talked about, and get people to help you, then God can help you to turn your situation around. He can help you to turn your life around. And everybody should know it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is that Holy Spirit that is in you than any piece of cake, any drug, any anything. And he can fill you like no food can, like no drug can, like no alcohol can, like no uh, sex can, like nothing can. Nothing. So if you'll just stand Firm, stand your ground. The grace of God will be there because he promised it to us. It will be there to supercharge you and help you through that situation. Stand up with me. I want us to make a couple of confessions. And I hope I didn't offend anybody tonight. I really tried to show you my heart, to show you, you know, what I was had dealt with myself. I mean, nobody knows what it's like to get up here and tell their faults to other people unless you've done it. You know, you don't you don't know what that's like. I mean, you've got hundreds of people in here tonight, and uh, I doubt seriously you want to air your dirty laundry to everybody that's in here. I mean, most of you try to cover it, you know. But if you can help one person to get out of the torment that the devil has held over, because it's a torment to be under these things. It's a torment to not be able to go where you want to go and do the things that you want to do and be the person that you want to be. It's a torment. So how many of you in here tonight, and it can be lots of different areas, so don't be embarrassed by it. How many of you in here tonight feel like you got some answers about some situations? Yes. How many of you in here tonight really want to change some things in your life? I believe that. I I am one. And uh, I believe that we can do that. And as a church family, we can encourage everybody. Instead of, I don't care how much you weigh. What I care about is how you feel about it. You know, if you're happy with it, wonderful, great. You know, if you're not happy with it, I want to help you. And um, if you just get to a point where you just want to talk to somebody, I mean, call us. The girls will talk to you. Everybody around will encourage you to say, you can do this. 
It's just, it'll just be a great big pen pal thing to where you find somebody and you've got a weakness. I mean, that's what all these support groups do. You know, you get weak in an area and you lose it or something like that. Well, the very first place you should go is to the Lord. And he can undergird you. But what happens is you won't go to him because why? You're condemned. He led you to do something and you didn't do it. But override that. Kick the devil in the face and go to him and say, no, I don't care. The Lord still loves me anyhow. And go to him and he will, the next time he'll be there and he'll say, don't eat the chocolate cake. And he'll do it every time. He will never let you down. He's always there. He's always inside you. But you do have to look to him. You can't go ahead and cast the imagination down about not eating the cheese. You've got to stop what you're doing and do it. So let's close our eyes and lift one hand to the Lord as a commitment to him. Lord, you see our hearts in here tonight. You see our desires, Father. Almost every person in this place has their hands raised, Father, as to things in their life that they desire to be changed. That they desire to get the victory over for once and for all in their lives. That they don't have to battle with this forever in another 20 years or another 30 years. Lord, I just ask you now, as they've humbled themselves by raising their hands and lifting them to you, that you empower them now with a supernatural grace That they've never felt before, Father. That supercharged grace that they've never felt before. That every time they go to do that again, that your hand is right there on them to say, you don't have to do that. I'll help you. And your hand will be right there to do that for them, Father. And Father, my heart, you know my heart, goes out to all these people, Father, that are battling in these areas. Because I know what it's like. It is so tormenting. So Satan, we bind you and we take authority over you and we remove those bands of condemnation and hurt and guilt from off of these people's lives. We remove all the things that you put in their hearts that they can't do this, that you're greater than the one that's in them. Well, you're not. You're not greater than the one that's in them. You are greater, Lord. And we give you all the praise for it. So say this after me. I will look to the greater one that lives inside of me. He will stop me from doing that. He'll stop me from eating that. He'll help stop me from smoking that. He'll help stop me from beating them. Y'all just say it all together so it doesn't make anybody stand out. He'll help stop me from looking at that porn. He'll help stop me from cheating on things and stealing things. He'll help me by supercharging me with grace. For every area of my life. And I will be changed from tonight. Satan has no longer control over me. In that area, I am free. I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, thank Him like you believe that you've just lost 50 pounds or you've never beat your wife again or you never have to struggle with drugs again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.